Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder from Metsmerized. Uh, back with us is Matt, Matthew Brownstein, my, uh, my buddy over at, at MMO. And we have a special guest with us tonight, a uh, member of the uh, 2000 nationally champion New York Mets, uh, spent four years of his career in Queens, left-handed reliever Dennis Cook. Welcome to the show, Dennis. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. This is uh, such a treat. So I wanted to start off, Dennis, by asking you, I know, uh, you know, we spoke in the past uh, for an interview I did with you uh, with Metsmerized about how uh, your initial reactions when you first were dealt to the Mets in December 1997, uh, you told me that you felt a little bit overwhelmed at first with just how big and fast New York can be. Um, I was wondering, can you talk a little bit about your initial reactions to the trade and kind of how long it took you to get acclimated uh, in playing in New York? Yeah, it was uh, it was a little bit of a, of a shock, but you know I knew something was coming after after winning the World Series in '97 and they started uh, the team. I, I knew that I was going to be next because they really had no no use for uh, you know uh, a, a left-handed reliever like me. They were going to go young, so uh, I was I was hoping for someplace closer to home. Actually, you know possibly the Astros or St. Louis or the Rangers. But, uh, you know, when it ended up being the Mets, I was like you said, a little bit overwhelmed. New York's a, a big place that moves fast. And I'm really not from places that are real big and that move fast. But, you know, that being said, Al was over there. Al was getting traded over there. And I was excited about that. He and I are, real, he and I are really good friends. And uh, I started seeing them, you know, putting some pieces together. And I thought, well, you know, if you're going to go to New York, you might as well have a chance to win and they were putting the team together this seemed to be putting the team together that was going to be able to do that and uh, after going to game six uh, of the NLCS in 1999 what were the expectations heading into the 2000 season oh I, I think that you know we, we knew we had a pretty good team it just we were going to try to add a few more pieces and you know if everybody can stay healthy we had a chance hey Dennis uh, Tim here now, your splits versus right-handers and left-handers were, were pretty much non-existent, if not a bit backwards. You were actually a little more effective against right-handers. Uh, in 1999, it, it seems like you had a bit of a, um, a problem giving up homers to right-handers. But by 2000, it seems you got that under control. And, uh, you know, do you recall any particular adjustments that you made? Or did, um, you know, Bobby Valentine's confidence in you in those spots just kind of give you the freedom to, to work through those rough patches. Uh, you know, I, I didn't make any changes. I just, I, I guess I just barely missed a few more barrels in 2000. I did 99. I mean, that's really, really nothing mechanically or anything like that. You know, I, to get the game that's so dependent on confidence in yourself and also confidence in the coaching staff calling you and giving you the ball in big situations and, and I've always been pretty good whenever it, it you know, the, the games were on the line and in big moments, I've always feel like I've been pretty good in those situations. So, you know, Bobby trusted me and hopefully I was able to, to do good in those spots more than not. Now, I, had an, I had a follow-up to that one. I guess you did have uh, – you had remarkable success in the postseason even before coming to New York. Do you feel like your um, your success with Florida and even Texas earlier in, earlier in your career in the postseason, um, it kind of prepared you for that 
I, I don't know if it was added pressure, but uh, especially in the postseason. But um, I guess the, the the magnifying glass of playing in New York, especially with the media. Uh, yeah, I just think that you know you always have a little bit of an edge, no matter where you're playing, and you know that edge gets a little bit sharper as you get into the playoffs and things like that. Um, but you know, New York is a tough place to play. But that being said, so is Texas. Anywhere in the big leagues is a tough place to play, and if if you're not wire tight and prepared, you're going to not be there very long. So, you know, I, I guess way to answer your question is, is, is when the playoffs came around, I always felt like I was ready and I was sharp and confident. And uh, I, know, I know in uh, spring training of 2000, there were some whispers and rumblings of you possibly being traded prior to the start of the start of the season. Uh, what were your thoughts during that time? Uh, well, I've been traded multiple times, so it was just part of the business. You know, I, I can't control that. Like I tell my kids, control the controllables. And that's the way I, you know, approach things in, in my, my professional career. Uh, you know, I, I knew I was going to land somewhere. Uh, I'm glad I stayed in New York because I love having the opportunity to play on winning teams. And my, to win World Series, I, that's why we play. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and obviously the Mets and the Cubs opened the, uh, the 2000 season in Japan, which was the first time MLB went overseas for a regular season game. What was that experience like for you? Oh man, going to, going to Japan was unbelievable. I, I remember, uh, they, they paid us. I don't remember what they paid us. They paid us a pretty good amount of money. And I remember, uh, Piazza was, the, he was saying, I'm not, we don't want to go over there. I don't want, I think it was 20 or $25,000 or something like that. He was hollering how he didn't want to go over there because that wasn't enough money and he's going to do this, do that. <laughs> and I just remember telling him, come on, man, $25,000 you might not be a lot of money, but it's a hell of a lot of money to me. <laughs> it was funny to the guys that I didn't know that. So, but yeah, it was great. Uh, really, really enjoyed my time over there, uh, you know, being able to go see a different country and a different culture and you know, it just was wonderful, and it was a blessing to be able to do that with the Mets. Yeah, Dennis, do you think that that um, it's kind of a lead into, into Matt's next question? Do you think that that trip kind of brought because it was it, there was some turnover on the roster? Do you think it kind of brought the team together? Um, I would say so. I would say no. Um, you know. We, we were in spring training, and, you know, you kind of bond as the season goes on. I, I think everybody was was glad to get over there, but also really glad to get back home and kind of get back into our normal routine. So I, as far as bonding, I don't think so. Um, you know, just being with the guys in the clubhouse is going to be what bonds people. Yeah, and Dennis, I, I've spoken, obviously, to yourself and a bunch of your uh, 2000 teammates, and all of them say that was one of the, if not the closest, uh, knit team that they played on. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Was that one of the closest knit teams and groups of guys that you played with in your career? Yeah, it was It was right up there with with a lot, with the best. Um, I would say the, the Rangers in 95 and 96, we were really, really close to. But yeah, our, our group was great uh, in New York. You know, with Robin and and Hampton and you know Al Leiter and Piazza and you know Johnny and Turk and Armando Benitez, we you know it was great. We had a great group of guys, and you know, and it 
in, in the clubhouse. And then whenever you go to the bullpen, our guys in the bullpen were really tight and looked out for each other also. So it, w- it was a good team and a, and a good group of guys that, that really pulled for each other. Do you have any crazy Turk Wendell stories that you could share? <laughs> no, not really. You know, he, uh, he, uh, he just kind of did his thing. Um, you know, him and Rick Reed were the two guys that hung out the most together. Uh, Rick, Rick hung out with Turk more than anybody, so he'd probably have the better stories to tell. <laughs> now, Dennis, I guess those late 90s, early 2000s Mets teams, you, you guys had a, an uncanny knack for, uh, for picking yourselves up when things were, you know, maybe sliding we'll say. Um, you think that was a byproduct of the leadership or was that just like, I guess, kind of like you were just mentioning, um, just a, a product of a, of a super focused group of players. I, I think it's just the product of having good players. There you you go. know, uh, you know, you can, you can read a, anything in that you want to into it, but you know, leadership and uh, you can have the best leadership in the world. If you don't have good players, you don't win in the big leagues. So we had good players that, you know, have been battle-tested, a lot of us, you know, through playoffs and, you know, elimination games and things like that. So I, I think, you know, and, and we weren't going to panic. Bobby didn't panic. Uh, you know, when and, and the season ebbs and flows, it, it, no matter what team you're on, you're going to have times whenever you lose five and then times when you win ten. And, uh you know, you got you got to kind of stay even the whole time, and I know that's kind of a cliche, but it's so true. And when, when you have good players and good players that know that they're good, they just they know that the worm's going to turn. It's just a matter of time, and when it does, it's, it's going to be a good thing. And kind of like a oh, I'm sorry, Matt. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Absolutely. Oh, I was just going to say it's kind of a, a take it as it comes mentality. Yeah, I mean, you know, we showed up every night. We played hard. And, you know, sometimes you can play hard, play a great game, have a well-pitched game and still get beat. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast that you can't get down because you got beat when you played a great game. You know, if, if you're playing sloppy baseball and, you know, lackadaisical and making a bunch of mental errors, then, then you need to tighten it up and somebody needs to say something. But when you're playing good and, and you still find ways to lose, there's nothing you can do about that. And you uh, you mentioned Bobby B before, and obviously you had him as a manager, um, you know, with the Mets since '98 when you came over. Um, how would you describe Bobby as a manager, and what would you say his uh, biggest strength strength was as as a manager? Uh, I, I like Bobby a lot, uh, and I really liked him because he would call down there and put me in game. You know, I I like any manager that that lets me pitch, <laughs> and um, and he was good. He was good to all of us. And, you know, he treated us like men, which is awesome. And uh, I, I have nothing but great things to say about Bobby. He, I thought he did a great job while he was there. And uh, obviously Mike Hampton was the big acquisition for your club heading into the uh, 2000 season. And it's funny, when you, when you look at his first seven starts of the season, I mean, he had a six-and-a-half ERA with 36 walks in uh, a little over 38 innings. Uh, and the big turnaround for him, obviously, was the final 26 starts where he had an ERA under two and a half um, and obviously just completely turned it around. How big of an addition was Hampton to that club for you guys that year? Huge. You know, anytime you can add add depth to your rotation like that with a front-end guy, that's huge. 
you know, and he's uh, he's a competitor and a gamer, and you know, it, I think his numbers speak for themselves in the playoffs and all that stuff. I he was gigantic for us. Now, Dennis, um, at least among fans, uh, one of the un, I guess one of the unsung heroes, at least from the fans' perspective of that 2000 team, was Pat Mahomes. Um, you know, we, we, we read a lot about his dedication, his just being able to come in and, and put his put his work in, and it kind of came out on the field just reading old articles. Um, what was it like watching him watching him work? I, I didn't even remember. Did, did he have a great season or – uh, no, not. I don't even remember that, honestly. No, not especially. I know for a couple of flashes uh, early on in the season when things weren't going so great, he kind of picked himself up. But it was it was an inconsistent year. But uh, I remember Valentine had a lot of nice things to say about him, and uh, you know, even f- just from a fan's perspective, it looked like he had um, the, the tools to to make it. Just uh, I guess I was curious about his standing in the bullpen. Yeah, no, listen, he was one of our guys. And, you know, I, I remember him being as more of a, of a of a middle guy, you know, an uh, early guy in a game. But, listen, he, he was down there with us, and, you know, he, he was grinding just like everybody else. So uh, I really don't, and I'm just being honest, I really don't remember, you know, his numbers or anything like that. So, but just to speak of him as a person, yes, he's a great man, and, you know, he, he worked hard. All those things that you said, I really can't add any more than that. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was just us. So we had an affinity for him. We were always rooting for Pat. But uh, I guess the, the my, my my. I had a specific question about. I guess the. How can I say it? The architecture of a bullpen and speaking to a reliever is structure a considerable part a considerable part of of a reliever's success, especially like in, in today's game, you see so many guys in different spots and even, even, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was very similar, but do you think structure is necessary for the success of a bullpen or just, Hey, this is our best guy in this best spot or. Absolutely. Structure rolls down there is gigantic. You got to know when you're going to be in the game, what your job is. Uh, what your role is, uh, you know, if, if you're the left-handed setup guy, you know, then you know you can start looking at the game and follow the game and look at the lineup and go, okay, there's two lefties coming up. Start getting stretched out. Know those are your two guys. And Benitez or Turk is going to come in behind you and Johnny's going to close. So, yeah, it, it's huge. And, you know, Bobby did a good job uh, managing our bullpen to keep us all fresh late in the year. And I'll tell you another great, manager, the very best manager that I ever managed the bullpen was Jim Leland in 97. Mm. So they, and, and he he and Bobby both did a great job with the, the, the two you know, the years that I was with in New York and then also the year I was in Florida and of just being consistent and you know, if you're going good, you get to keep your spot. Even if you're going bad, there's confidence there. He'll keep running you back out in that spot because that's your role. And he knows that if we're going to win and we're going to be successful long term. That you have to be able to to take care of your role and your your spot down there in the bullpen. It's funny because you don't really see um, every team, at least these days, sticking to that plan, and uh, you see the negative 
effects of that at times. I guess you even look at the, the Mets. Um, they kind of shied away from putting guys in specific roles. They had, oh, we have all this talent. But, you know, at least from our point of view, it, it looks like it kind of messed some guys up. I particularly look at Edwin Diaz and maybe Jerry's Familia. You know, they had, um, you know, with a little structure, things could have been different. But <laughs> we'll have to see how things shake out this year. Well, well, the, the bottom line is this, too. The way they run the starting rotations now, the starters are, are responsible for throwing four or five innings, which, in my opinion, is a bunch of bull. <laughs> you know, you guys got that big, strong kid up there, Syndergaard, or uh, Noah, was it Syndergaard? Did he say his last name? Yeah, you got it. That guy, what, what's that guy weigh? 230-something pounds, 220 pounds, big, strong kid like that, and you're going to tell him that all you want him to go is five innings? It's the culture. It's the culture. It's, listen, it's the culture they're creating in the minor leagues. When they go out there and tell kids when they're drafted, we just want you to throw three innings. We don't want to hurt you. You know, there comes a responsibility where if you're going to be a starter, you got to see how far you can go in a game. But you, that starts in the minor leagues where they create the toughness in the kid and the want to finish what you start. But that, that, that culture is long gone. And I think it's a shame. And, and, and as far as that goes back to your question about roles in the bullpen. When you, when, whenever there, I don't really think you can have roles in a bullpen when you're only, you're only asking your starter to go four innings because that means your bullpen's mopping up five innings every day. So the roles go right out the window. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially because with the specialization of the bullpen now and with starters going, you know, fewer innings. Um, you know, you have to obviously give you guys rest. I mean, that was the issue we saw with Seth Lugo a little bit. You know, we can't have Seth Lugo go, you know, back-to-back days, especially with his compromised UCL. So, you know, you're, you're taking one of your, your better relievers, you know, right off that day and kind of have to mix and match. And I think that was that's some of the issues I think that you see. And like you said, with uh, with starters just not frequently going deep into the games, you're, you're kind of taxing your bullpen at a rate that, you know, who knows if that's even good for them to be going, you know, so many innings every year. Um, you know, I, I was, I was curious too. I, I know Mike Piazza caught 178 of your regular season games throughout your career, which is the most of any catcher, uh, for your career. Um, what did you think of Piazza as a receiver? He seemed to gotten a little bit more, um, he, he seemed to, you know, back in the day, I guess his, his weakness was his arm, but it seems like his receiving and his framing has, has gotten more uh, respect throughout the years. I'm just curious what your thoughts are from that. Yeah, listen. He didn't throw good, and I think everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is, nobody worked harder back there than him. And, 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 you know, he worked hard back there. And he wanted us to succeed, and I'll, I'll go to battle with that guy any day of the week. Very cool to hear. Now, do you feel the importance of a regular catcher? Because even these days, a lot of teams carry two catchers, and these guys get a lot of – I don't want to say equal playing time, but it's certainly shared playing time. Um, do you think the pitching staff feels that that non-consistency? I'm sure they do, but I think pitchers in general these days aren't real consistent in anything they do. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's an arguable point for sure. You know, okay. they're, 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 they throw really, really, really hard, but none of them pitch really, really hard. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but they, they throw really hard, but they're, you know, they just throw. It seems like major league pitchers, at least the ones who come up real early and uh, and have that level of talent, it takes a little time for them to learn, I guess, adjust from being a thrower 
to becoming a pitcher. And we've seen it take place. Um, look at Jacob DeGrom. I mean, uh, he's always been a control type guy, but now he has such confidence in, in all of his pitches. And he knows he, he, he before he throws the pitch, he's he, he knows that this guy's not going to be able to hit this. And that confidence, you know, it comes through in those pitches. And um, like you were saying earlier, our confidence is a huge, huge part for a, for a pitcher. And um, you would just, you know, you, you would think that someone would instill uh, the pitching aspect as opposed to the blowing guys away aspect earlier on in their careers. But apparently it takes a little bit. For no, some. listen, that, that kid is great. DeGrom is great. I love watching him pitch because he pitches. But you guys got the other kid, the, the center guard kid on that staff, I don't understand. I, You know, he throws a two-seamer that's 99 miles an hour and a freaking curveball that's filthy. How is he not in that same category as the DeGrom kid every year? They, those two guys should be battling for the Cy Young every year. And I don't understand why why it's not that way. I think it comes down to I mean, what you, you just said. Oh, I disagree with that. I agree. I think it's the consistency. It feels like it's you were just you were just talking about it. I feel like um, you know he'll string together three outstanding ace level starts, and uh, you know when he's when he's on point, he's one of the best pitchers in the league. But he can't seem to string it all together, and uh, maybe injuries had something to do with that. But you know this spring he had it all figured out, and now he's done for the next uh, calendar year with Tommy John. Yeah, that's true. I did, I forgot all about him getting Tommy John. Yeah, I was well, a shock. I, I, wish, I wish him the best of luck. I hopefully he can come back from that stronger than ever. Oh, I think that he's planning on it. Also, <laughs> <what>, yeah. <laughs> I, I think yeah, with him exactly. too, a lot. I think a lot of the issues too is that he just is like full force from 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 the get go, you know. And and he, like with Degrom, he kind of knows when he can dial it back, and he doesn't have to always reach for that ninety seven, ninety eight mile per hour fastball. But he does have it in his back pocket when he needs it. Whereas Syndergaard is just full force all the time. And that's probably just putting a lot of strain. I would have to imagine on his arm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the difference between a pitcher and a thrower. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. A a pitcher changes speeds. You know what, what, what is our whole goal is to disrupt timing for the hitters, right? You're always 99. And you know, I don't know. I, I, I think the DeGrom kid is, is outstanding. Oh, just a special player. So much fun to watch play. Well, when you were and, when you were, and, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just going to say what what a great uh, a piece uh, in a rotation to give a bullpen a break whenever you get a guy like that that's going to start 30, 32 games a year, and you know he's going to give. Well, you don't know, but the chances are very great he's going to give you a, a quality start with seven plus innings. You know that that that's just uh, pretty much an off day for your bullpen, which is a blessing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was going to ask, too, because I know, obviously, you know, in the early part of your career, you, you obviously started as well uh, before you transitioned to the bullpen. So how would you, um, you know, go into a start and how would you kind of pace yourself throughout a game? Well, I, I wasn't a very good starter. Uh, I mean, I did OK, but I was definitely a better reliever than starter. Um, you know, I, I, whenever I started in the minor leagues in the big leagues, it was always the same mentality. I'm going to finish what I start. You know, and I think. I think that, you know, we that was ingrained in us uh, from the very first start you had in the minor leagues. I mean, I, I was telling my kids the other day, I, 
an, an A ball, and I think it was in 80, 86, I threw 171 innings in the California League. And, yeah, I mean, wow. you don't even hardly see anybody throw 100 innings anymore in, uh, in the minor leagues. Starters barely go 100 innings. And so how was that transition for you going from starter to the bullpen? Uh, it was it was easy because my arm bounces back. I had a tendency to be able to bounce back quick. And I think what killed me as a starter is the four days in the middle. Uh, mm. You know, once every five days I was starting. I, I'm not good at sitting on the bench. I mean, I hit in when I was in college. I played every game in college. And just to sit on the bench for four games and get all wound up just for one game wasn't really good for me. I like coming to the ballpark thinking I'm going to play every day. And, of course, some days I don't get a chance to pitch. But at least when I show up at the ballpark, my routine is that I'm pitching today, so i got to get ready. And I think that was the difference between starting and relieving for me is just the routine and the mindset. Interesting. Interesting. Hey, Dennis, I have a question. What was winning in Florida like? Because that was a new team. It was a, it was a practically a brand new team, just a couple of years old. Um, you know that that rejuvenated the area. That might have kept baseball in South Florida for uh, uh, you know through now. Um, what what was that like? That must have been some sort of experience. Oh, it was great. It was um, it was really unbelievable. You know, coming into that season, uh, the team that they were putting together. You know, we thought we had a chance, and then Leland coming in and and. I mean, I've never met the man before, and the first day of spring training, you know, he when he, I I I was buying what he was selling. He is he is a very good manager, and um, I I still think he can manage in today's game too, um, and be really really successful. Now, and, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Matt. No, it's okay. I was just going to say, and kind of jumping jumping back uh, to the 2000 season, um, you know. Can you talk a little bit about just that postseason ride going, you know, in the uh, in the DS and the CS before you finally uh, won the pennant and made it to the World Series? Just so, you know, some of your memories from the from those from those playoff times. I don't even remember who he played first. Uh, you played who was it? The Giants first. Uh, Gi- uh, yeah, Giants and then the uh, Diamondbacks. Wow, I, I, uh, Giants I, and St. Louis. Don't Giants and St. Louis. Oh, Giants and St. Louis. Sorry, I got the <laughs> wrong year. Oh, no worries. Thanks, Louis. St. Louis was the NLCS. I, I, I still honestly don't remember any of that. <laughs> you, you, you made an appearance though. You you did pitch. Uh, you pitched an inning. Got two strikeouts. Uh, I forgot which game it was. Might have been game. Might have been game two. You were in, but uh, you you didn't make it in there. Wh- who was that? Was that against St. Louis or the Giants? The NLCS was against St. Louis, and the uh, division series okay. was against the Giants. Yeah, you you made two appearances okay. yeah. against the Giants. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I. My my brain didn't work like that. I mean, I really don't remember a whole lot of that at all. Dennis, I mean, I are you? Are the guys, you? I remember the guys and stuff like that, but I just don't really remember the games too much. Dennis, are you aware that you uh, over what do we have? Nineteen postseason appearances. You did not allow one earned run. I, I knew I had a good success in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. People have told me that before. But like I said, I, I really don't remember a whole lot. I remember 97 pitching in game seven, but I didn't remember, you know, they're playing all the classic games now on MLB network. Yeah. Right. And, uh, it came on and my, my buddy called me. So I, I watched it and I really and truly didn't even remember what, what my line looked like in that game. I just knew <laughs> I pitched, but I didn't remember what it looked like. 
Hey, pitching a lot of seasons in the major leagues will do that, Dennis. I mean, you know, you have a lot of memories to look back on, so we, we can't hold you to that, you know, remembering every single one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was very lucky and very blessed. I remember, yeah. uh, I remember, I'm sorry, Tim. Uh, no, I was no, just no, please say, go ahead. I remember uh, speaking to Al Leiter, and uh, he swears that you guys win game one of the 2000 World Series, and you guys are going to be world champions. I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are on that. I agree. Uh, <laughs> you know, you win game one in Yankee Stadium, now all of a sudden the pressure really turns up on those guys. You know, they were a good team. They were probably the better team, honestly. But really and truly, it, it at that time of year, it's not the better team that wins. It's the team that's the hottest. Right. You know, and uh, – we, we played good. We had chances to win, I think, just about every game we played, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, right in it. Yeah. Yeah, but did, did Al pitch that first game? He did. Yeah, he won seven innings. He pitched, pitched a hell of a game, too. Um, oh, man. He, he tell you something. We, Al Leiter was the anchor of that staff, no doubt about it. And, and what a great human being. Really good friend of mine. Really good guy. Do you still keep in touch with a lot of your uh, 2000 teammates? I keep in touch with Al. And mm-hmm. I talk to Johnny sometimes, but Al more so. I I talk to him probably once a month, just check on, checking on him. Oh, very nice. How's doing? How's son's doing at Vanderbilt? And I ran into him at, at the winter meetings. So, yeah, just, nice. just that kind of stuff. Dennis, what was the energy like during the Subway Series? Just as a player, kind of taking it all in. Oh, it was it was awesome, you know. And one good thing about that series that I love is it was all local. We didn't have to get on an airplane or fly anywhere. <laughs> so the, the travel was minimal, and you know it's a big deal. It was a big deal, uh, especially in that part of the country. But uh, yeah, I, re- I remember it, everyone being pretty jacked up about it. And you know, even interleague play when you put when we played the Yankees, everyone would get a little bit of uh, giddy about it. Oh sure, I was um I was 17 in 2000 during that World Series, and uh, oh yeah, we were uh, we were uh, amped up. That's 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 for certain. I remember I remember riding the bus over to Yankee Stadium, and the police had stopped uh, the traffic at a lot of the uh, the you know the mer- where you merge back on the highway. The police mm-hmm. had stopped the traffic so we could get the bus over there. And I remember all the Yankee fans standing on, you know, like the hood of their car, shooting the finger at us and all that stuff. <laughs> that, that's kind of some of the things that I remember about that. Uh, spirits were running high. It was a good time. Amen. And not, not, not to mention, too, obviously the 2000 season was the year that, um, you know, the whole Roger Clemens-Mike Piazza feud came to a head. Um, you know, what do you, what do you remember from that? Uh, I remember from that is after he did that, we should have started hitting guys until <laughs> there was a fight. That we 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 messed up there as a pitching staff. We should have started thumping guys because the bottom line is he was our guy. You know what I mean? Piazza right. was our guy, and and I don't think we protected him the way we should have protected him in that game. And and I and I would have said whoever was pitching. I don't remember who our guy was, or if a reliever came in there just start hitting them until they start a fight. That's what I think should have happened. Right at that point. I guess Sean Estes took a shot the next season, but uh, uh, went went awry. And then he got his payback. He hit a home run off Clemens in the next at bat. Oh, perfect. 
<laughs> oh, good times. Well, the last the last one for me, Dennis, and, and thank you so much again for your time today. Um, what have you been up to since retirement? I know when we spoke uh, a couple years ago, I know you had done some work in the Cape Cod League. Um, you know, can you tell some of our listeners what, what you've been up to since? Yeah, still in Cape Cod. Uh, of course, this year where our season's been canceled because of the virus, but uh, still up there. Uh, actually, I put my name in the hat for uh, a managing job in Sydney, Australia for uh, the Australian Baseball League. Oh, cool. uh, oh very cool. So, yeah, yeah, and I'm, you know, I've been talking to a few teams trying to get back into pro ball, Mets being one of them. Um, one of these days, might try to get back in for a little while and and, uh, you know, try to bring a little bit of the old school back. But um, other than that, you know, uh, just another note, y'all's number one pick last year, Brett Beatty, I coached him in high school. And I don't know really? if I remember telling you that or not, Matthew. Yeah, no kidding. I no, I didn't know that. He was a freshman. Yeah. He, uh, he went to our high school with my boys here in Lake Travis. And uh, I coached him there. And he's great hitter. It was I think it's a great signing for the Mets, and I think he's going to really blossom there. I see him two or three times a week over here at the high school working and, you know, staying in shape and fielding and hitting. So he's uh, he's very excited to be with the Mets. Oh, that's very cool. No, I didn't know that. That's very awesome, and it's great to hear uh, great to hear your take on it. I know a lot of Mets fans are excited for his uh, for his ascension through the uh, through the Mets minor league system. Yeah, he's a good player. He can really, really hit. He's he's the best high school hitter I've ever seen. Wow, wow. that's some serious praise. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, my my ears perked up when I heard that. <laughs> Same. Excellent. All right, well, um, Dennis, again, thank you so much for coming on. This has been fantastic, and uh, hopefully, we can check in with you from down under later in the year. Oh heck yeah! Maybe maybe we'll get some of y'all's minor leaguers over there with us. Uh, hopefully, we can uh, work together with Jared. Try to get some of those guys over there. Excellent. That would be awesome. Dennis, thank you again for All some right, time guys. today. Oh, man. Thank you. I, I enjoyed doing that, guys. All right. Really great. Appreciate it. Talk right, soon, man. Care. Thank you. Okay. Talk to you. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, everybody, that was Dennis Cook, and uh, that was a fun conversation. Matt, Very cool. what's going on, buddy? We got a couple of minutes to fill. What's happening? Oh man, not a whole lot, you know. Um, uh, today I spent the day working on uh, editing uh, interview I just conducted this week with uh, Moises Alou, which should be out hopefully within the next couple of days. Yeah, so uh, it was a pretty lengthy interview. Some cool things. Actually, one thing that I'll mention that he told me that uh, he said that he didn't tell anybody before was that prior to signing with the Mets uh, in November 2006, he actually had a guaranteed two-year deal on the table uh, with the Cleveland Indians for more money. And uh, he turned that down to sign with the Mets for the one year and the uh, club option because uh, he just really liked the, uh, you know, the way the Mets were heading, obviously, after the 06 season um, and was uh, friendly with Omar Minaya, who was obviously the GM at the time, who was also from the uh, from the Dominican Republic. So, uh, yeah, that was one cool thing he told me about. So that should be out uh, hopefully in a few days on Mesmerized. Awesome. Can't wait for that. Moises Alou is a favorite of mine when I was growing up. Oh, dude, same here, same here. I mean, I always remember, you know, the no batting gloves, you know, the uh, that that, funky quiet, stance. the funky, quiet stance and some of the quickest wrists I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, uh, Gary Sheffield aside, but yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh, my God. You don't know the planet, Gary Sheffield. Oh, my goodness. Don't sit down the uh, don't sit down the third base line 
if, uh, if the uh, Yankees are in town or when he was with the Mets. My goodness. I would have loved to have exit velocity numbers on, on Gary Sheffield. I really would love. <laughs> that's like the one thing. <laughs> you know what I found funny? Dennis Cook wants to bring back some old school. I like that. I, I think that that Piazza story was gold. I think that uh, – I think we have to have Dennis Cook back on the show later in the year. That was awesome. That was very cool. You know, it's funny. I was going to mention, because um, I asked Glendon Rush about the whole Clemens Piazza feud, because uh, Rush was the pitcher uh, in the regular season game uh, when Piazza was, you know, hitting the head. And Rush right. was there. And I think, and I, I believe actually Rush did, uh, I forgot who he hit, but he hit somebody in that game. But he told me specifically in uh, towards game two of the World Series that. They couldn't do anything because they didn't want to get anybody tossed, you know, and that was the biggest thing for them is that they didn't want to start something because they knew the next guy that got hit, that pitcher was going to get tossed. And that was Hampton pitching in game two. So they didn't want to, you know, take any chances with that. So I get where Dennis is coming with that. But in that particular time, they just they said they just couldn't do anything in terms of the World Series. Yeah, maybe. I'm sure that you know, warnings were issued and nobody's ass wanted to be in the jackpot that night, especially in the big game. <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. But yeah, Dennis is a uh, he's a fun guy to talk to, right? That was great. Oh, that was so much fun, man. Because you know, I you know, just no nonsense. He, he gives you the gives you the straight answers. That's just good stuff. And and shout out to Rushy. I completely forgot that Rushy uh, uh, threw threw a punch back that night at the uh, Piazza night. That's awesome. That's right. Yep, yep. I forgot who he hit, but I'll have to look that up. But he did. He definitely did hit somebody uh, in that game. I just forget which Yankee it was. And of course, guys, we're not condoning um, hitting batters with with balls, but no, you know, sometimes you know, in the heat of the moment, mistakes are made. Maybe a little sweat on the fingers, something gets away from you. It happens. Sure. <laughs> sure. All right. I think we're going awry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. Thanks so much for joining us, man. I'm going to keep an eye out for that Moises Salu. Um, everybody, thanks, Matt's bud. the one who Matt's the one who landed Dennis Cook for the show. So everybody, say thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Oh, too kind, too kind. My pleasure, <laughs> man. Hopefully, we can hopefully we can get some more guests uh, to talk some 20 year anniversary, man. It's a lot of fun. Oh, it's a lot of fun, man. Uh, I'm hoping maybe we could. Um, we could get a little in with Brett Beatty because uh, I'm very curious to see about this uh, 70 grade hit hit tool that uh, he that Mr. Beatty apparently has. That would be nice. Yeah, I, Brett Beatty's one I've been trying to uh, trying to get an interview with since he got drafted, but I've uh, I've been eluded so far. But maybe I have a maybe I have a, a, a potential end now with uh, with Mr. Cook. So we'll have to see. Ah, uh, you're golden, Matt. You're gonna get in. <laughs> so, I appreciate you, you. you interview everybody, bro. You're gonna get in. You got a track record that can't be denied. Oh, you're you're too kind, man. You check ah. the mail. You check the mail. Yeah. <laughs> <Cha> Ching. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, Simply amazing. We'll be back uh, over the weekend, I believe. We'll have a very special guest, and if it's not over the weekend, it'll be Monday. But uh, yeah, you're gonna be excited to hear this one. It's not. I'm gonna tell you now. It's not completely baseball related, but there will be plenty of Mets talk. And, uh, yeah, can't wait for it. Matt, thanks again for coming on, man. And, uh, yeah, we'll see everybody next time. Take care, guys. Have a good one. All right. Let's go, Mets. Adios. Yeah!